ever find yourself asking that question, life would be better if it weren't for... Well, on today's episode, we have an industry leader who is a dental culture specialist who is going to help you answer that question when you get stuck. Stay tuned. Welcome, everybody, to ADOM Radio, the podcast for dental managers. I'm your host, John Stamper, and thanks for joining us. Guess what? ADOM Radio is now on Spotify. Check it out. Chilling out on the weekend, listen to some great tunes with friends and family. Be sure to check out ADOM Radio and download the latest podcast on Spotify. So Care Credit has brought some amazing guests to ADOM Radio that we have loved spending time with. And today's guest is just another example of that. So big shout out to Care Credit for bringing to you this episode today. All right. So who are we talking to? Judy K. Mozoff. She's a speaker, author, and as I mentioned, dental culture specialist with expertise in helping others get happier and more successful. She coaches dentists and their teams how to become better leaders, communicate effectively, work together better, and deliver service with more focus and passion, which result in cultivating a happier, healthier, and higher-performing culture. She's a past president of the National Speakers Association, the Minnesota chapter, director of sponsoring partners for the Speaking Consulting Network, and a member of the National Speakers Association and Academy of Dental Management Consultants, and recognized as a leader in consulting by Dentistry Today. She's the author of two books, Ta-da! and Rise and Shine, and a contributing offer for many dental magazines. She also publishes a monthly newsletter called Show Your Shine. Judy Kay lives in Minnesota with her awesome husband, Steve, who makes her special coffee every morning, and Zoe, it's all about me, seven-pound Yorkie. Adom Radio and Care Credit are very excited to bring to you today, Judy K. Mozoff. <laughs> What's going on, everybody out there in ADOM Radio Land? We are one week away from the annual conference. And so if you're listening to this, we will probably have this up days before the conference. So everybody is excited to see everybody. It's going to be an amazing annual conference. However, we have a pretty awesome episode today, and we're going to talk about a lot of great things with our guests today. The title of today's podcast is Life Would Be Better If It Weren't For. And I like the pause there because I think we've all been there. We've all said this. We've all had moments in our lives, certainly, where we say that statement. And um, I'm very excited for our guest today because she knows just a little bit about this, and and we're going to talk about that. So Judy K. Mozoff, how are you doing, Judy? I'm doing awesome. How are you, John? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks so much for for joining ADOM Radio. And before we learn a little bit about Judy and some of the the great things she's going to share today, real quickly, just some of the learning objectives we're going to discuss today. Uh, we've got some acronyms. We uh, some boat, which is B O A T, to deal with difficult people. So Judy's going to get into that. C O W to deal with difficult circumstances in life, and then finally S P F. To become happier. So, Judy, I'm hoping that you will be able to uh, dissect that for us and as we get into the podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, all right. So, Judy, before we get started, I know you've done so many amazing things in dentistry and working with teams and culture and, and so much of that, but share with everybody just a little bit about yourself, you know, if there's anybody out there that, that hasn't had the chance to learn about you. 
Well, I've been in dentistry a long time, John, since the early 80s. Started as a receptionist before scheduling coordinators even existed. <laughs> so um, became an administrator within a year and was a practice administrator in general the first 10 years and um, period of the final 16. So for 26 years as administrator. And then I started my business, um, Practice Solutions, in 2006 to be a full-blown regular dental consultant within a year uh, not quite for me you know I love the consulting part but not the in all aspects I didn't want to be all things to all people um, I really found that I love the culture aspects uh, it's innate to me it's I, I was a kid on the playground when I was first grade you know getting people to play together instead of fighting and so that's always been a part of my makeup and so the the majority of my career in my business has been focused on the culture side, the communication, the leadership, teamwork, um, attitude, happiness, success, all of that to do with culture. So that's yeah. kind of that in a nutshell. Yeah. And as you know, Judy, in dentistry, uh, how many times have you heard the saying that people in a dental practice or dental teams, a lot of times actually spend more time with their dental team, their dental family than sometimes with their own family. Right. So, uh, so many of those things are are important just like it is at the home. Well, I always tell my, when I I speak a lot, um, and local and 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 uh, national and international and and I, I I tell my audience members I said you really don't realize how well you get along and I said just imagine this have you ever gone on a trip with your friends and you're so excited it's going to be so fantastic and about three days into the trip you're thinking why do we like these people <laughs> you know so, so when when you think about it if you had to work with your friends they probably wouldn't be your friends and so we get nitpicky and things bug us and all these little things that that you know seem you know we as they say make a mountain out of a molehill you know and the reality is in most cases team members get along quite well they just don't focus on the things that they do well and they focus more on the things that they don't like. And that's the concern. Right. Right. All right. Well, since we have you, I'm going to get right into things because I'm sure this is what people are thinking. They're like, okay, let's talk about difficult people and let's talk about how to deal with them. And certainly your insight and expertise on that. Okay. So BOAT is an acronym. First of all, I'll just Fess up. I'm an acronym addict. I like acronyms. They help me remember where I'm going to go. The older I get, the more I need it, right? Um, but I, I've always liked acronyms. And both is an acronym for beliefs, opinions, assumptions, equal our truths. So it's based on the, the thought process or my experiences that whenever we're interacting with someone, we are always coming from a place filled with our own experiences. And our expectations will be different because of those experiences, those unique and individual experiences. And that's what determines our beliefs, our opinions, our assumptions, and our truths, our both. In other words, how we judge others in the world of what's right or wrong. We're very judgmental. You know, we can't help it. The minute something happens, does that feel good? Does it feel bad? Is that appropriate? Is it inappropriate? So difficult people, the reason they feel difficult to us is that they disagree with our both. 
They have a different boat. They're, um, they're rowing in a different direction. And so it's frustrating for us because we have to spend the time and energy trying to get them on board. And when we start to understand that our boat is very limited based on our experiences, that's when we become open and we can start changing relationships. So I always ask my audiences to do this, and so I'll ask again, is make your um, your right hand or left hand, depending upon which is your dominant hand, into a, um, like a little telescope. And, and imagine looking through that. If If your room, the room you're in, however large it is, imagine that that's the uh, potential of all experiences in life. Even if you're a centurion, even if you've lived over a hundred years and have been really, really involved and lived a very full life, you've only experienced about that what's in that little telescope. And yet there's all these other experiences in the world that you haven't experienced. And your boat isn't based on all those other experiences, it's based on that little amount. So when I teach teams and audiences about this, about working with difficult people is when we become open to the fact that our judgment is very lim- is on a limited amount of knowledge, it helps us to become more open to the conversation. And the only reason people are difficult is because they disagree with our boat. So when we understand that our boat is limited and we start asking questions versus judging and criticizing, we come from a place of care and concern instead, then the conversation changes immensely. Then it's a conversation that's open and you can ask any one person when you're coming where your heart is in the right place to say, tell me why you feel this way. Tell me why you think this is the only way to do that or why you feel this is good or this is bad. And that helps change the conversation. And the more we communicate, John, the more we learn from each other and the bigger our little telescope gets, the more, because if I can experience things through you, through your experiences, I've just learned that much more and my, my, my boat has grown. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. And you know, as you're sitting here talking about this, I am putting myself in the shoes of a dental team member and the speed and the busyness of a dental practice, right? Absolutely. And, 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 and thinking about how uh, how real that sounds, how refreshing that sounds to be able to be able to take a step back and, and, and have perspective like that with everybody that you're working with in the practice and then combine that with it's 7.30, it's huddle time, we got two patients, what are you doing? You know, it's like, I, that's what makes it hard, right? It really, really does make right. it hard. But but I, I do think that certainly for, for people to step back and recognize that and, and, and be accepting, it sounds like, is really the, the, the path that you're going it, down. It, it is. Yeah. And, well, and, and, and um, understanding, to, under, to learn, to, to be open to hearing. You know, one of the most important things in working with other team members is that they feel that they're being heard and understood. Not necessarily that you always agree, but that they're being heard and and, um, and validated that way. And so many times when I go in to work with teams, team members who have been there for years or even new team members with real strong personalities will say, well, this is the right way. And I always kind of chuckle. I'm like, oh, there's a lot of right ways, right. <laughs> you know. And and so they get so stuck on because that's been their experience. They know what works for them. And so, um, you know, to really bring this home, I always share my experience of a hot air balloon ride when I turned 50 with my husband. And it was fantastic. And I did it because I went on it because I was terrified of heights. And I thought, gosh, 50 is monumental. <laughs> I got to do something here to really push me to grow. 
And my husband's like, are you sure, Jude? This is, you know, you, you get nervous on a three-foot ladder. So I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do this. So we go up and it was so calm. It was so serene. It was so zen-like. I could have meditated up there. It was fantastic. But the next day, that same balloon company, and they had like seven or eight balloons all going up at the same time, just the same as when we went up. Um, one of the balloons got caught by a gust of wind and was pushed into a power line. The people were okay. But as I always sometimes do you think they would describe their experience as calm, serene, or zen-like? No. Right. And that's how we come to the table. Who's right? Who's wrong? Team members come to the office and they say, well, this, is, this, is, this was bad because this happened. It was a negative. And the, the, the difficult part it is, is when it's a negative, it always has way more impact on us than if it's a positive. So it, it's really hard, much harder to change a negative opinion about something than it is to temper a positive opinion. Because once I learned about the balloon crash, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. it's a little more dangerous. So, so that's really about the thing about difficult people is understanding that the only reason they're difficult is they disagree with our boat and our boat is very limited. And that's why it's so important as a team to create agreements together on how you're going to work together in your practice. That's the case. Yeah. And, you know, hearing you say that it's, um, I think, I think it really sinks in, right? Like you mentioned, like a negative opinion or feeling a certain way, uh, stays a lot longer, sticks a lot longer, which makes sense. A lot of times when people have happy moments or things are going in the direction that they feel good about that, uh, that that can be somewhat fleeting. Right. And so before you know it, we we've hit, we're doing well, we're doing well, we're doing well, we've got through this. And now all of a sudden a bump in the road, right. We're like, wait a minute. I was just, you know, now we're back to this thing again. And so, you know, that, that, that's kind of a, of a good segue as we come out of, what practices can do to to deal with difficult people. And then maybe you get through that and then, you know, maybe share with everybody these bumps in the roads and, and how you talk to teams about handling those. Well, you know, and, and there's the, the research behind it, John, is that it takes 12 positive experiences to offset one negative. So that's a lot. (laughs) That's a big ratio, you know, you know, I used to think it was maybe five to one or something like that, but it really isn't. So when we talk about bumps in the road, Truthfully, the biggest bump in the road that I see most often is assumptions. Team members don't communicate. They communicate in sound bites. They just, they say a little bit, but they never finish the thought. And then the other team member says, well, I think that this is what they must have meant. Or they assume that person meant something based on their actions, based on what it would mean if they did those same actions. So a lot of the bumps in the road are, well, they didn't do this, so this means they're mad, or they didn't, they didn't do, they did this, so this means this, and and that's where so much of that um, that chafing comes between team members. Um, also, having not having ongoing um, communication as a team, as an entire team. So team meeting settings are really, really important where the entire team can talk about um, what's happening in the practice. You know, for example, a system or a process, is it still working? If not, what's, what's, what's the struggle or the obstacle? And then they can get together as a team and define different ways to get over that. But so oftentimes what I find, John, is that there's not the time or the opportunity for teams to get together as an entire team and talk. And then you start with this telephone, um, one person to the next to the next, telling them what, what's going on. And it, of course, never how it starts. Yeah. So the uh, biggest obstacle is communication and, and assumption. 
everything else stems from that. So I'm curious, I mean, you've had the opportunity, like you mentioned, to work with a lot of dental teams. And as you know, Judy, in a lot of cases, the word culture comes out uh, and depending on the practice, depending on the practice owner, the team, teams either embrace it right away, they're hungry for it, they're thirsty for it, or in a lot of cases, as you know, there's this initial step back. Oh, call, you know, like, I don't want to deal with all that stuff. We don't have time for this. We got to roll, 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 roll. What are some things that you have done over the years when you have worked with a team, potentially maybe a practice owner that wasn't on board with the culture piece? In other words, you know, you knew it from afar, you knew it was important. Uh, they fought it a little bit. And what were some of the things that that you were able to do to, to I guess not get them to see the light, but more importantly, because as you know, that they have to they have to want it themselves. There's only so much you can do. But I'd love to hear right. some of your thoughts on that with these teams of like getting them through that that hurdle of, you know, really appreciating and valuing what this culture piece is all about. So it starts with the leadership team. It starts with the owner or the owners. If they aren't valuing that, um, it's, the chance of it, sustainability is very limited. Occasionally, I will see where the team is very divided. The team is very united, but very divided from the doctor or doctors. And you'll see where they almost glom together for support for each other because they have such a difficult time because they work with doctors who are not necessarily respectful or um, kind or many things. So, yeah. I, and, and that's only a few amount of the doctors that I've ever come across. So when I'm interviewing a prospective client, I'm always asking them about what's important to them if they're asking me to come in and fix their team, um, I know that there's going to be problems. So the conversation is always how open are they willing to uh, make change for themselves as well? Because when there's problems in the culture, it always stems from leadership, always. Whether it be that they lead um, a negative, you know, lead negatively, or they avoid things and they don't say anything. So then the stronger team members create the culture or, you know, so it's, it's either them leading that way or them allowing someone else to lead that way in the practice. Um, so that's really, it starts with the leadership team being on board and then having them very clearly define their core value words. I have them choose four core value words in order priority. And everything in the culture camp that we do for the two days we're together is built around those core value words and how they'll communicate, how they'll work together, how they'll serve their patients, the attitudes. Um, what's interesting is the team doesn't fight it. They're pretty excited about it because most people want to come to work in a place they enjoy coming to work. Most people don't want to feel like they're walking on eggshells and a lot of the practices they are. Most people want to be able to laugh and enjoy their day. So when you say, how would you like these things? They're like, yeah, but how did I get there? And then you start talking about culture. So you have to simplify culture into not such a conceptual thing, but let's talk about how we even show up how we greet each other in the morning, how we treat each other when patients aren't around. My number one culture ground agreement, ground floor agreement is we must treat each other as well or better than we treat our patients. And it all starts from there. So if doctors treat their team less than, the team will treat each other less than. And they will also treat patients less than. So it, it really is about um, 
defining who we want to show up as and then committing to that and continuing to practice because old habits die hard. Right. So it's, you know, it's like anything else. So that's, that's a long winded. So you're talking to a speaker, so, you know, we don't, we don't shut up. No, no, (laughs) no, I, 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 I mean, I asked that question. And I'm curious about it because, I mean, as you know, that I mean, that's real life. That's what you. That's what you see. That's what you talk to people about. There are, right. you know, there are certainly practices. Um, which I just thought about this. This will lead us to our next question, but we'll get there in a second. It's funny how these all tie together. But uh, you know, th- there are practices out there that you know. It, it's 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 everywhere now more more so than ever, right? I mean, for years ago, as you know, uh, culture was not as much embraced. I mean, although. Right all organizations knew that in order to really band together and accomplish great things and scale, you needed to have that. But it really seems like teams are embracing it more. Practice owners are embracing it more. They're seeing the value of it. They're seeing the value of getting their teams involved. I mean, I've seen so much progress with it. Uh, it's just that, as you know, that the, there are still, you know, challenges around it. And so I, 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 I love hearing your, your, your insight with that because then once they do realize it and they do move forward, it's interesting on the other side, isn't it? When they look back and they see their team happy, oh, and they get great results. They're like, "Oh, why didn't I do this earlier?" <laughs> it's like... Absolutely, and and they're you know, and that's the thing. They start to see it's little things that make a big difference, and a lot of times it's some small changes the doctors do that make a big difference, and the team sees that, and and there that helps them get on board very quickly as well. Um, but like I said, there we're, I'm not having them do things that would be a negative, you know, so these basic things, uh, that we're accomplishing in a culture camp of being happier, enjoying our work, um, you know, feeling purposeful, getting value, um, feeling appreciated. Um, those are across the board, human needs and desires occasionally, occasionally, very, very seldom though. There are people I run into that, are on this earth just to stir the pot. <laughs> and yeah. those are the people who are, who will, you can see it very quickly after culture camp because it's, it's very clearly defined about what expectations are. So they, there's no longer, I didn't know that. Right. And so you see who those people are and they don't last very long because they don't like it because they can no longer create the chaos that they created in the past. Yep. Yep. Well, that's a good lead into, uh, how somebody can become a more positive person. And I'm really uh, interested to talk to you about this because uh, as, as I, as I have this time with you, I'm thinking to myself, I'm a positive person. You know, like I think I was raised, uh, my parents uh, were, uh, my father was, you know, making me listen to Tony Robbins tapes when my sister and I were like, you know, in our teenage years. <laughs> and all this stuff. So I'm wondering like, was that a part of it? Like, was it like, was it the subconscious being put into my brain? Was it just my, my nature? But, but I'm really curious about this one. So when someone asks that question to you, like, how can I become a more positive person? Where, where, where do you go with that? Well, okay, so, and that's kind of where how and SPF, they really do all connect together. So the research behind it shows that about 60% of who we are is how we were hatched into this world, right? So we've got 40% to really make a big difference with. Um, some of us, it, it really is our, um, some of us feel we're more like an Eeyore or, an, or a realist or pessimist, and some of us are the optimists or the um, tigers or the whatever you want to call it. You know, I fall into the optimist tiger 
part of the world. You know, I was just back visiting family members over 4th of July. Some of my family consider themselves realists. It's very interesting conversations we have. And so when I, I can't help but go into observation mode. And when I do it, I, where I, what I always see happen, John, is I see it's the same event, but the focus is different. We're looking at the same thing. You know, we see the same things, but we focus on either what we like or we focus on what we don't like, and that's what we highlight. And our world has become such a negative focus that we, I mean, that's all you highlight. Highlight, highlight, everything's negative. You know, you can't turn the TV on. You can't turn, go to your, uh, uh, your phone or look at anything. Everything is always disastrous. And it's not just a little area, it's global. So many of us get into this rut of thinking of looking for the negative. And we're actually wired a bit like that because of the dinosaur flight, fight or flight. You know, we're looking for what could hurt us. Sure. Optimistic, positive people will always look for the things they enjoy in the moment or enjoy at the... So like if we went to a certain event, some people might come in and say, oh, the room's cold and this is bad and I didn't like this and there's no water and whatever. And the other person's going to go, wow, this is, I like this and I like that and I like that. So if we are a person who has that realist, pessimist, Eeyore type of focus, um, we can retrain, we can rewire how we think. And that's where, um, and having that SPF, which is a super positive focus to become happier. So that's what SPF, super positive focus. And the way to rewire that is um, we uh, operate on autopilot. We love to operate on autopilot. Most of us don't even know how we drive to work anymore. We don't even think about it, right? We just get right. there. Right. Um, so, And we like to multitask, which really isn't true. It doesn't really work. We just do everything slower. But we think we're multitasking, and we don't even have to think about things. We just go on autopilot, right? So in, if we want to change from being a more negative thinker or focusing on the negative, we have to create a new path, a new way of thinking. And that's what how is it's a cognitive optimistic wiring. So what we want to do, and, and I call it cow because I grew up on a farm in North Dakota and we had dairy cattle that we go out in the pasture all day long and we'd milk them in the morning and milk them at night. And I know they could tell time because they were always home on time. <laughs> so, but they, they, would, they would follow each other one after the other. There'd be a couple alpha cows leading, but they would follow each other in a single line, very different than beef cattle, dairy cattle. And they would follow each other and they'd create these deep ruts in our pasture. And they would never deviate from that. And eventually we'd have to kind of uh, fence them off so that we could, otherwise we wouldn't be able to get across with a pickup truck. And then you would see them trying to create a new path and you would see the scattering of hoof prints initially until a new path started to emerge. Well, cow paths are like our thought paths in that we get into a rut of thinking. We get into a path of thinking that's called a habit. That's a routine. You know, we say people say I'm in a rut. That's because we fall into that all the time because it's how we wire ourselves. It's, it's, the, it's the habit that we've wired in. We can change that to more positive if we commit to practicing positive things um, consistently. And the average habit, the average new path takes 66 days. So wow. when we look at this, 
you know, people give up after two weeks. Ah, that didn't work. That was stupid, right? <laughs> and you're like, well, you, 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 you're just a scattering of hoofprints yet. You haven't, you haven't, you haven't, you haven't worn that path as deep, right? So when you look at any routine you've done consistently for a long period of time, it's not an effort at all. You don't even think about it. But when you're starting something new, if you don't stay consistent, and, and that's so important to be consistent and precise and consistent to help it become a habit much quicker. Sure. Um, but so when we talk about positive, the assignment I always give people is when you start to feel yourself go negative, I want you to stop. And there's where the SPF comes in. I want you to look for three positives and create that super positive focus. What are three potential positives in this situation? Or what are three potential positives in this person? You know, and then you start to rewire. So if we always, if we have an activity versus say, I'm just going to be more positive, that's conceptual, that won't change it. But if we say, when I start going negative, instead of complaining about the cold room or whatever, the heat, I'm going to focus on what I like. I'm going to find three positives and I'm going to let go of the negative. That's how we start to change and rewire our thinking. And that's where cow. So cow is, is cognitive optimistic wiring. So we're, we're, we're cognitive is the thinking part. We're thinking about being optimistic to rewire those paths in our brain. Mm-hmm. It's neuro-linguistic programming actually, but I like cow better. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think it resonates, right? I mean, I'm certainly remembering it. And, um, how do you, Judy, uh, answer people or have a discussion with somebody that says there is a benefit at times to not be so positive? Um, or I think a lot of times people get positive and negative. They, they get them crossed with uh, being you know, a realist. Uh, I'll give you an example. My, my mother-in-law uh, has been trying for the longest time talk about a positive person and who has, you know, dealt with things in her life and has continued to just stay, stay positive. All the things that you're talking about. I mean, I, when I really think about any tough time in her life, like she's always looking for the best in people. And she actually had this idea to invent these like rose colored glasses and put them around a book and, you know, sell them to training classes and all these things. And as we've oh, had cool. the family if we, as we've had like family conversations about it, there's always somebody in the group that'll say, yeah, you know, you can put those rose colored glasses on, but it's a lot better and, and, and easier if you, you know, prepare for things to not get, you know, to not work out or whatever the case <laughs> be, right? Like I knew that was going to get you to laugh, yeah. but, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like, I mean, I, right. I mean, I'm totally with you. It's, 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 the, the, there, there is an element where you have to make a decision at that moment. Cause it can feel good to be negative sometimes. Like it, I mean, depending on the circumstances, not for a long time, I don't like feeling that way, but, but, but you know what I mean? Like, like when you're on a situation yeah. where there is a person that says it's better to be a little more real than it is to be overly optimistic or, or positive. So two cents on that. Okay. So first of all, what's real. So we're making judgments again about something being good or bad. And I can look back at my life. I'm, I'm, inching in on that 59, those years have gone fast. And I can look back and I can see so many events that I thought were um, a negative, a bad thing that actually turned out to be very positive looking back. As they always say, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So to prepare is kind of a joke, actually. You, if you think about the things we worry about, the things we stress about, and we do a lot. Um, those things usually don't happen. It's the things we haven't even thought about happen that we 
solve and live through. And if we don't live through it, we're not going to know it anyway. So, you know, this this, this idea, you think about it, you think about how you prepare for things and it doesn't ever go that way and you still survive, right? So the average person John, has 60,000 thoughts a day, 60,000, and 95% are redundant, are the same thought we had yesterday, the same thought we had today, the same thought we'll have again tomorrow. And 80% are negative unless we are mindful about it. So that when someone says, how can you live in that orange bubble, Judy K? And they call it orange bubble because different colors create different energy. Orange creates feelings of happiness and positive energy. So they just go, you're like happy and positive. And so how could I not? First of all, as long as I'm alive, it's a good, it's a great day. You know, um, there's so we've become a very ungrateful society. I look at people who come to the U.S. who succeed um, in spite of the odds and do phenomenal. And they start without speaking the language, without anything. And they just they think it's the, the most amazing country in the world. And it is. I, I'm not trying to go off on a thing here, but we, we, we've lost our gratitude for what is wonderful and we, we whine and complain about little ridiculous things. So my, my guide is to ask myself is, if I knew today was my last day on earth, would I have worried about that or would have I complained about it? And the answer, if it's no, then, then I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. So why am I, why am I pretending I am? Right, right. You know, I, yep. Three weeks ago, I, I woke up and something scared the bejeebies out of me. I, I, I mentioned earlier before we started this that I have a little Yorkie. She's 13 years old. Love her. When I'm not traveling, when I'm home, my husband and I spend a half hour on the floor playing with her, right? And she has so behaved three weeks, on the podcast so far. She's been really good. Yeah, oh, I know. <laughs> Don't jinx it. <laughs> she might be barking any moment now. So I'm, I lay down on the floor and I play with her. I laid down on the floor and my whole world just started going crazy spin. And I was like, oh my gosh, never had anything like that happen to me before. I spent three weeks with vertigo. Today's my first day without it. Do you think that I appreciate not having vertigo again today? Oh yeah. And, and the, the point is, is we take all the things that we have that are good or even average for granted and we focus only on what we're missing, and it's such a small amount. Yeah. So, yeah. so the realist, I'm like, you're not a realist. You, you just aren't seeing the gifts that have been given to you. You're taking sure. them for granted. If I took them away, then you would miss them. Right. And then you would right. see the value. So, yeah. Yeah. so that's what I say to realists. And, and preparing for doom <laughs> or what's going to happen, it never goes that way anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's interesting too. I think there's a, there's, I mean, as you know, with a lot of your work, there, there's so many psychological pieces to this, but I, I've spoke with people that have, you know, been diagnosed with cancer and then mm-hmm. fortunately they, they, they beat it uh, and they got through it. And, and, and in their conversations, a lot of times you'll hear them say, you know, whether it be six months or nine months or however long they had to suffer to your point, every day mattered. Every day there was gratitude, right? right? If they if they weren't grateful before, they were then. And then and then they and then they go through remission or things get better. And I've heard them say six months later, 12 months later, they found themselves getting back to that same spot and having to catch themselves, you know, right. to, to not to not be grateful. And that hit me so hard, Judy, because what I think when I heard that, what that made me realize is, is 
it's okay. Like th- those times are going to happen to us. Like we're going to, we're going to hit yeah. those, like hit those bumps in the road where even if we're positive the majority of the time where we're going to feel like that. And, and like when you accept that that's how it is, uh, you find ways to get over it a heck of a lot quicker. And so I, oh, you know, yeah. I, I love it. You know, I mean, it's just, it's an interesting way to look at it, but, but it really is true. Well, it's not, and it's not like a positive person doesn't have any negative trash in their head. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, stuff yeah, just comes true. out. I mean, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, you know, but it's, it's, it's the commitment because emotions, things like that, they happen, you know, and do I always feel like I love every person and I'm grateful for everything? No, absolutely not. But then I step back and I think that that's, you know, the old days they used to say count to 10 and breathe. Right. And right. it's still really a very, very valid thing to do. We can get out of that negativity in about 30 seconds, 17 to 30 seconds is that is the range. If we take the time to really think about and reassess life and yeah. reassess the situation and re you know, if we, if we slow down, in fact, I post a ray for the day every day in my, quote today was about respect and about respect is um, slowing down enough for our, for our thoughts to catch up with our words, you know, and, and that's really, if we slow it down enough, when we start to go negative, it's not that these thoughts don't happen. It's not that, I mean, we're human. That, That would be to think that I don't think that way. Oh, I wake up some days just off and I think I should go back to bed. <laughs> this right, is not who right. I want to be, but I right. know who I want to be every day, John. And that's yep. the difference. Yeah, there's no, no question. I mean, this is, and you're right. I mean, we could go on talking about this forever. I think, you know, this has been wonderful. And, and, and what I want to ask our audience now, we started with uh, the title, right? Which is life would be better if it weren't for, and, and hopefully, and, and certainly after, spending some time with Judy, uh, I think all of you now can look back and, and take some of the insight that she shared uh, and fill in the blank and, and hopefully fill in that in, 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 a, in a positive way to help you uh, either find ways to deal with some of the difficult people in the practice, maybe some of your difficult circumstances, but more importantly, becoming happy. And, and, and before we wrap, Judy, I just you know want to give a big shout out to Care Credit. I know, you know they, they're bringing about this uh, episode to everybody today. So I know they do so many great things in the industry in an effort to be able to help patients uh, get, get the care they need. And, and they've just been such a, an important uh, company and brand and dentistry for, for, for so long. So I wanted to make sure that I give them a shout out today for sponsoring the podcast. Oh yeah, they're not. You know, they're not only fantastic at um, with patients and doctors, but they're also fantastic for the speakers and consultants in the industry because they've been yeah. so supportive in helping build this in- um, this industry and helping um, it grow and become better and and you know lifting you know and educating. So fantastic, yeah. Funny, I've worked with Care Credit since they start. You know, they've been in business I think thirty some years now, which is amazing. Um, I don't know of any other company even remotely close to that in that industry that has been as solid and for that longevity. And they have just been a, um, a dream to work with. So Yeah. And, and, and I'm glad you brought that up in regards to not a lot of people may know and understand that, that there's always the element of a company sponsoring a speaker or whatever the case may be. But, but, but I like that you brought that up because I think w- I get the fortunate opportunity uh, on this microphone to to interview all these people in the industry, amazing people like yourself and all these people that have great messages, you know, tips here, insight here. And as you know, a lot of times all it takes is uh, 
a podcast interview or some insight from somebody like yourself or another speaker that could change something for somebody in a practice and really put them on the right mm-hmm. track. And if that's not possible, if there's not companies out there like Care Credit that are finding ways in order to be able to help all of you continually get your message out, uh, everybody matters, right? Everybody matters in dentistry. Absolutely. Everybody plays a part. In it. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you um, that you mentioned that. So well, and they're, anyway. they're a triple win. They're a triple win, John. It has to be yeah. has to be good for their company. Has to be good for their the patients and the doctors. It has to be good for the consultants and the you know it has to be win 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 all the way across. And that's when yeah. they know they've scored a home run. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I feel very positive right now. I feel great. Thank you for your energy. <laughs> this has been awesome. We got the ADOM conference coming up next week. So for those of you that uh, stuck around and listened to Judy and I for this whole podcast, thank you so much. We'll be so excited to see you next week in Orlando. And Judy, always a pleasure. And I uh, really appreciate you coming on ADOM Radio. Awesome. Thank you so much, John. It's been my pleasure. All right. Have a great week. That's a wrap. Hope you enjoyed this episode on ADOM Radio. Two quick things. If you enjoyed it and would love to hear more episodes, head out to iTunes and or Google Play and download ADOM Radio. Go ahead and actually subscribe to the podcast. That way, as we do more episodes, they will come through on your device of choice. Also, I want to encourage you to head out to the ADOM website, dentalmanagers.com. That's dentalmanagers.com. There are so many great resources on there. If you're a member, there's new stuff. You can sign up for the ADOM conference, which is the event of the year, which is in July this year in Orlando, July 18th of the 20th. But also, if you have any colleagues out there that are not ADOM members, they're doing some great things this year with membership. The resources are super abundant, so be sure to check it out. That's dentalmanagers.com. Dentalmanagers.com. Thanks for joining us.